My name is Mark McGuinness, and this is the 21st Century Creative, the podcast that helps you thrive as a creative professional amid the demands, the distractions, and the opportunities of the 21st century. Welcome to Season 1 of the 21st Century Creative. My name's Mark McGuinness. I'm a poet and a coach working with creatives. And I've created this podcast to help you reach your full potential as a creative professional. So what do I mean by creative professional? Well, you may be an artist of some kind, whether a visual artist, a writer, or working in another medium. You might be a commercial creative, such as a designer, an art director, copywriter, or a web developer. Maybe you're a performer, such as an actor, a musician, a TV presenter, or a voiceover artist. Or you may be a creative director or a producer of some kind, in TV, advertising, feature films, computer games, or another one of the creative industries. Maybe you're an entrepreneur or the owner of a creative agency or studio. Or you might be a consultant, a coach, or working in another creative service industry. But whatever your particular discipline, there are several things you have in common with me and with other creative professionals. First and foremost, you are committed to living the creative life. So there's no need for me to persuade you of the value of creativity. You already know it. You already live it. You've dedicated your life to producing outstanding creative work. You quite likely do your creative work for a living. And even if you don't, maybe because you're working in a pretty non-commercial field, you're still working at a professional level in terms of the aspirations and quality of your work. You may be self-employed, an entrepreneur or business owner, or you might be an employee. But regardless of your official status, you take an enterprising approach to your career, which means you take ownership and responsibility for your own career development. You're the kind of person who would rather create your own opportunities than wait for someone to hand them out to you. My aim in this podcast is to help you make the most of the unparalleled opportunities available to you as a 21st century creative professional and to help you overcome the challenges of the 21st century, which are also numerous and plentiful. I'm going to focus on helping you in three main areas. Number one, your creativity, helping you take your work to new levels with inspiration to fire your imagination and practical tips for getting the actual work done. Number two, your professional development, helping you advance your career, achieve your professional ambitions and strike the right balance between your creativity and the pursuit of money, fame and reputation. Number three, becoming a truly enterprising creative which means using the mindset and tools of entrepreneurs to create a bigger impact and create more value from your creative work. 
And as we'll see, to achieve success in all of these areas, the number one thing you need to develop is you. Over and over, as you listen to in-depth interviews with my guests, as well as hearing about their impressive achievements and the amazing things they create, you'll hear stories of remarkable courage, persistence, resilience, open-mindedness, humour, compassion and passion. Because these are the ingredients of a creative career that is rewarding in every sense. Before I go any further, I should say a few words to introduce myself and explain why I'm creating this podcast for you. First and foremost, I'm a poet. In the words of Robert Graves, Since the age of 15, poetry has been my ruling passion, and I have never intentionally undertaken any task or formed any relationship that seemed inconsistent with poetic principles which has made life interesting and often pretty challenging. You can read some of my poems at markmcginnis.com and also in various literary magazines where they're published. I'm also a coach for creative professionals. You can probably tell from my accent I hail from the UK. I live near Bristol in the southwest of England. And I work with clients all over the world, mostly via the internet, sometimes in person. I've been doing this for 21 years, so I've spent thousands of hours listening to creative professionals like you, helping them realise their creative and career ambitions. I started out as a psychotherapist in London back in the 90s. When I began my practice... I was working with clients from all different kinds of backgrounds on all kinds of issues. But I also noticed that a certain percentage of people showing up in my office were creatives. Like the novelist who was blocked with her novel. Or the actor who was playing the lead in a West End play and was terrified to go out on stage. Or the film director who was struggling to cope with the pressures of being a film director. Because I was a writer myself, I had an instant connection with these clients and found I was doing my best work with them. And I realised most of them didn't really have a mental health problem. They were just creative. They put their heart and soul into their work, so sometimes they needed to work on their heart and soul. So I started calling this side of my work coaching instead of therapy and branched out to working with creative agencies and studios, as well as private clients. I spent 18 years as a psychotherapist, and it was a wonderful experience, but I closed my therapy practice three years ago to concentrate 100% on my writing and coaching. I deliberately limit my coaching practice to a small number of clients and give them a lot of time and attention which is great for them, and I know I'm having a big impact on the world through the amazing work that they do. I also want to reach more people and help them as well. For the last 11 years, I've been doing this by sharing ideas and teaching on my blogs and a free online course. I've also published three books for creatives. This podcast is a way of stepping up that commitment and hopefully reaching and helping even more creatives around the world. Why podcasting? Well, 
Over the last couple of years, I've become an avid listener of podcasts. I love the intimacy of listening to people's voices, not just looking at words on a screen, and the fact that you can cover quite a lot of ground in an hour or so of podcasting. So now I've decided it's my turn to make a contribution to the world of podcasting. So why is this podcast called The 21st Century Creative? Because we're at a point in history where there have never been so many opportunities for creative professionals. Changes in technology, the economy and society mean that huge vistas have opened up that weren't there 10 years ago, let alone 20 or 30 years ago, and I want to help you take advantage of these. We're also at a point in history when there have never been so many distractions and incoming demands from those very same wonderful changes in technology, the economy and society and so on. In your daily life, from the moment you pick up your phone in the morning, you're being nudged and pressured to live a very superficial life, the kind of life where you're always busy but not achieving much that really matters. So I want to help you stay true to your creative calling, to carve out the time and build the courage you'll need to tackle your big, scary ambitions. And you've probably noticed we're at a point in history where there are very few safety nets of the traditional kind, whether the job for life, a steadily growing economy, or the social support systems designed to catch us when we fall. It's not easy to survive, let alone thrive. So I want to help you focus on the things that matter, the things that will bring you the greatest security and prosperity in an uncertain world. And it all starts from the inside out. Look back in time and you'll see that throughout history, we creators have made very good victims. We've been the ones looking for handouts, commissions, grants and validation from kings, barons, popes, patrons, publishers, record companies, government departments and grant foundations. All too often, we've pinned our self-worth and our economic survival on the whims of gatekeepers. The grown-ups who can anoint us with credibility and dispense money and opportunity if only we jump through the right hoops at the right time. Now, that may have worked once upon a time, but these days you've probably noticed there aren't so many generous patrons queuing up to help us out. So instead of waiting for opportunity, we need to create it. In the words of the coach Steve Chandler, instead of acting like victims, we need to act like creators, not just in our art our hands-on creative work, but also in our careers or our businesses. I sometimes talk to creatives who say, I'm looking for an agent or a manager or a business partner who can take care of the business side of things so I can just get on with my creative work. Well, good luck with that. If you find somebody really good who you can really trust, I'm sure it'll be great. But those people are few and far between, and they're in big demand. 
I've noticed that the creators who are the most successful professionally, as well as the most creatively fulfilled, are the ones who make it their business to make things happen in their career. They show up, they commit, they look for new ways to find and create opportunities. They aren't afraid to fail, but they make damn sure they learn from their mistakes, just as they do with their art. And it all starts with the attitude. I'm the one responsible for my success. I will do what it takes to achieve it. So if you want to succeed as a 21st century creative, make that attitude yours. So, what can you expect from the 21st century creative? Firstly, I'm producing the show in seasons, with a weekly show for 10 weeks in every season. And I'm designing each season very carefully, with a mixture of guests and topics that strike a balance between artistic and commercial creativity, between practical skills and creative inspiration, and also between inner work and real-world impact. In other words, although each episode will stand on its own, you'll get a lot more from the podcast if you listen to a whole season in order from the beginning, and also take part in the live challenges I'll be setting you every week. Now, each episode of the podcast will be divided into three parts. In the first part, I'll talk about an idea or a challenge that impacts on you as a creative, based on my own practice as a writer, also on the issues that crop up regularly in my coaching work with creatives. Part two of the show will be an in-depth conversation with a leading artist, creative practitioner or thought leader. And my guests will reflect the diversity of my listeners. They will include artists, writers, commercial creatives, performers from the worlds of music, film, TV, and so on, and entrepreneurs of various kinds. I'll also talk to some of my fellow coaches and some thought leaders in the worlds of creativity and personal development. Now, some of my guests are already well-known, and you'll recognise their names instantly. Others will be people you've never heard of who are creating amazing things on the canvas of the 21st century. In each conversation, as well as the what and how of my guests' work and their achievements, I'm going to be asking about the big why. What drew them to their field of work? What impact they want to have in the world? And what sustains them when the going gets tough? And this is another reason why I recommend you listen to all the episodes in each season, even if it's with someone in a field that's very different to your own. So, for example, if you're a fine artist thinking that an interview with a commercial designer or an expert on leadership may not be that relevant to you, well, I encourage you to give it a try. Partly because we often find the most creative ideas when we explore a different field to our own, but mainly because in every case you'll hear that the most important factor is the human factor. Regardless of their creative field, and their achievements in the world, my guests will be talking about their own mindset, their motivations, their passions, and their struggles. And all of these things are common across the board. So, as well as listening to their great achievements, 
Listen for the attitude you can hear in their voice. These people are creators in every fibre of their being. And if you can internalise something of that attitude, it will be far more valuable than any practical tips or techniques you learn from them. After each interview comes part three of the podcast. And this is the shortest, but it's also very important. Because I'm a coach, I have a strong bias to action. I will do my best to make each episode interesting and entertaining, but if all I do with this podcast is entertain you, I will have failed. I want to inspire you to take action that will change your work and your career, and ultimately change your life. So at the end of every interview, I will invite my guests to set you a creative challenge. Something relevant to the topic we've been discussing. Something with the potential to make a meaningful difference to your work and your career. And something you can complete within five days. Because the podcast will go out on a Monday and the creative challenge will be at the end of the episode. So if you want to take part, listen for the challenge. Go do it and then report back on your progress in the comments underneath the show notes by midnight Pacific time on the Friday. I will then pick three commenters to receive a prize, usually a book, sometimes one of my books, sometimes a book or another prize from my guest. I'm going to choose the prize winners at random. You know, this isn't a competition, so I'm not going to be judging the comments. The prize is just a nice way to keep things fun and reward people for taking part. I will be giving feedback on the comments, however. I'll read through them, and over the weekend, after the show, I will send out a special audio recording where I'll highlight some of the things I noticed about your response to the challenge and what we can all learn from the experience. Now, this recording will not appear in the regular podcast feed on iTunes. It will only be available to email subscribers to the show. So if you just want to listen to the regular podcast episodes, you can do that via iTunes. But if you want to get the special feedback recordings plus the free 21st Century Foundation course, you can join the mailing list at 21stCenturyCreative.fm slash join. So that's what we're doing here at the 21st Century Creative. If that sounds like the kind of journey you want to take, make sure you subscribe in iTunes at 21stCenturyCreative.fm slash iTunes. And as I say, if you want those extra creative challenge recordings, plus the free 21st Century Creative course, then make sure you get on the list at 21stCenturyCreative.fm slash join. Okay, the 21st century is a young century. Let's go see what we can make of it. I'm delighted that my first guest on the 21st Century Creative is Scott Belsky, founder of Behance and 99U, author of the book Making Ideas Happen, and a real leader, not just a thought leader, in the global creative community. I had the privilege of collaborating with Scott and his team for several years, and people sometimes ask me how I got to write for 99U. So here's the story, because I think it speaks volumes about Scott and the kind of creator he is. Back in 2007, 
I wrote a blog post about a new product I'd discovered, a set of notepads for creative meetings from a new company called Behance. I liked the fact they had been designed specifically for creative professionals like me, so I shared them with my blog readers. A few days later, I received an email from Scott, introducing himself as the founder of Behance and thanking me for the review. I remember being impressed that the founder of the company had noticed my post and taken the time to reach out to me. Scott and I stayed in touch, and I followed the development of Behance as they launched the Behance Network, a gorgeous portfolio site for creatives to display their work and connect with peers and potential clients, as well as their Action Method software product. In 2009, Scott asked if I'd like to contribute to 99u.com, the new magazine site they were about to launch. I was very happy to be one of their first columnists, as I saw they were doing a fantastic job of attracting the kind of self-motivated, enterprising creatives I wanted to reach. I went on to write a long series of articles for the site, and later on I contributed to two of the 99U books, Manage Your Day-to-Day and Maximise Your Potential, alongside authors I'd admired for years, like Stephen Pressfield, Seth Godin, Stefan Sargmeister, and Teresa Amabile. But 99U is not just confined to print or the screen. Every spring in New York, they put on a conference for creatives, and for several years, Scott had me flown over the Atlantic to provide one-to-one coaching sessions for delegates. These conferences have a unique atmosphere. As well as inspiring speakers, the delegates are all engaged in such weird and wonderful creative pursuits that it's a lot of fun to meet someone new and ask, what do you do? Because the answers are so varied and interesting. I'm telling you this story partly to show how important relationships can grow from the smallest beginning, like a blog post or a conversation at a conference, but also to show you how Scott Belsky works and the difference he's making in the creative world. As well as being a writer himself, he's a builder and a connector. He assembles teams, networks and platforms where creators can come together to inspire each other, to collaborate and to make ideas happen. Scott has helped me connect with many readers, collaborators, clients and friends I'd never have reached otherwise. And he's done the same for thousands of other creatives through 99U and Behance. In the process, he built Behance into such a successful company, it was acquired by Adobe in 2012. In 2016, Scott left Behance to pursue other projects, including writing and being an early-stage investor in companies such as Pinterest, Uber and Periscope. In this interview... Scott discusses the inspiration for Behance and how he grew the company, as well as the role we can play as creators at a particularly challenging moment in history. It's a great place to start our journey as 21st century creatives. So... Scott, you're an unusual creative because you are a writer yourself, but most of your work, in the public realm at least, is focused on creating platforms and communities for other creatives. In your words, you're here to help organise and empower the careers 
of creative people. So what made you choose this path? More than anything else, I was inspired by frustration. I felt like uh, the friends of mine that I, uh, that I had in the creative world that I respected and admired and frankly envied for their creative talents were also some of the most disorganized people I knew. And I really felt like their careers were always at the mercy of circumstance and that they were always struggling to push their ideas into the light. And, uh, and I figured, well, you know, I have an appreciation for what they do and I have a fascination with tools and technology and other means for organizing people. Uh, and I figured, why not put the two together? So uh, I, I did that, combining both a background in design and business. And uh, that was back in 2005. So, you know, it's really been a long journey ever since. And where did you get the idea for Behance? And I, I guess more importantly, following on from that is how did you actually make the idea happen? Because I know that's critical to your work. Yeah, well, the idea for Behance really started as a blog, focusing on the best practices of the most productive, creative people out there. And, um, and then by... By going through this exercise of interviewing individuals and teams that I admired for their productivity, uh, I learned some of the needs of this community and, uh, and some of the best practices that I thought could be perpetuated through technology. And that was the impetus for building a, a, a team uh, to, to tackle this problem. We started as a, a mission-centric and medium-agnostic business. And what I mean by that is we were willing to achieve our mission, which was to organize and empower the creative world through any mission, any medium necessary, you know, whether it be a conference or a book or a line of paper products or a blog or even a, uh, a technology platform like Behance. And so, uh, so we actually did all of those things in, in different periods of our business. And, uh, and from a business perspective, of course, you always have to really focus on one thing. And so we tried many different things. And we even continue some of them today. I mean, the conference is in its ninth year, and uh, and you know, and, and the books have uh, you know are continued to be circulated, but the um, but the con but the the, the platform Behance Network is certainly the thing that we're most known for. Right. So, I mean, this is one of the things I I guess I've been wondering about Behance and Ninety Nine U is all the different things that you've done. How many of those did you imagine at the beginning? Well, I, I think at the beginning, uh, I didn't really know where we would land and, and what, what would lead to what. But I always was encouraging the team to pursue any idea that was on mission, that really perpetuated our mission. I was very against anything that would deviate us or take us off mission. Uh, and so that's really how I kept us focused. I was also... Uh, always a, uh, a advocate for killing things. When we were doing something that we didn't think was really moving the needle uh, or something that was distracting, distracting our energy from the things that mattered most, I was you know, a strong advocate, advocate of pulling back. Uh, we had a task management tool uh, online for creatives that we ended up uh, killing. We also had, uh, of course, the paper product line, which is still available but is now licensed to a partner who operates the business for the company. So, um, so you know, that it's been a, the whole, the whole ebb and flow of building a business is trying things, killing things, trying things, killing things. And ultimately, like pruning a bonsai, you know, you're going to have something <laughs> that, is, uh, that is stronger, even though it's, uh, you know, it's less broad. 
I can really relate to that sense of being on a mission. I mean, that's a question I've used in my own career when I've been faced with, you know, forks in the road. And I've asked myself, well, do I, if I go this way, does it feel like I'm still on my mission? Or if I go that way, how does that feel? But for me, I didn't, for a long time, I didn't really even need to articulate. It was just, do I have that sense of being on a mission? Because it was just me. Mm-hmm. How did you define and communicate that mission with a team and keep them focused? Well, I think that a mission is fortified by, uh, through empathy. And so uh, I can speak all I can about what I think our mission should be, but I don't think a team really realizes it on their own uh, and adopts it uh, personally until they see the people that the mission serves or the cause that the mission serves and, and build a, a self-identification with it. And so uh, for us, that meant having a lot of the people in the community that we serve in the office as a part of our team or uh, coming in and having a bottle of wine with us at night talking about what we do, um, always bringing the entire team to every conference we did, to, uh, to any sort of event, and immersing them you know, in, this, you know, in this cause so that, uh, so that we, it became more guttural because everyone was experiencing it firsthand. Now, there's, there's, it sounds obvious, but in fact, in a team, you don't typically involve the entire team in a marketing event. You don't take an entire engineering team offline to go to a conference that is, in some ways, a, a way to market your brand. But in, you know, for me, I felt like half the, half the benefit of the conference was reinforcing to us why we were doing what we were doing. Wow, that's a great way of looking at it. I mean, and by the way, if there's anyone listening to this who hasn't experienced the conference, if you can get a ticket, if you can get to New York, it's a phenomenal experience. I mean, Scott, you were kind enough to fly me over a few years running to coach delegates. And just the whole sense of atmosphere and togetherness without, without diluting the individuality mm-hmm. which, which creators already have, there was a real sense of common cause, common values, common understanding that went right the way through from from delegates to the staff to the speakers to you know everyone it was one of the most uplifting and quite unique atmospheres i've ever experienced at a conference thanks mark it's always always was great to have you there and you know this is it was one of those things that made the conference special for the attendees so maybe we could pick up on this point that you know many of us as creators we like to think of ourselves as unique and special talents so what do you see as, apart from a, outside of a conference, what do you see as the role of a community for people like us? Well, I think a com- community does many different things. Um, you know, I think that it, uh, there's certainly a, a level of accountability you get from your community uh, when you see other people, not only telling people what you're focused on and working on so they can hold you accountable to it, um, but also a community is oftentimes the impetus to act on something that you're hoping to accomplish. I can't tell you how many times I've met a creative person who is hoping to put together a, you know, an exhibition of their work or, uh, or publish a book you know, of their work. And it's one of those projects that's just kind of always being worked on until they see someone else that they respect in their community actually do it. And that is oftentimes the impetus for them to actually do it. So uh, community plays this important, interesting role, especially in a world where competition is a dirty word. Creative 
people don't like to think of each other as competitors because it's a really it's a you know it's a collaborative community where every piece of art is different. It's not like people are competing per se, but it's important to always pace ourselves with other people around us uh, in order to get that impetus to act on something. And and then I, I think community is also a source of inspiration. Uh, it's it's mutual learning. The creative industry, more than anything else, is an apprenticeship culture where people watch each other and and learn from each other, observe, and uh, I think community is one of the things that um, that perpetuates that as well. So yeah, these were all kind of, you know, kinds of forces that we were trying to foster through Behance as a technology, you know, as a way to, for people to learn from each other, to connect and help each other, to also be pacing with each other. Mm, I love that metaphor. And I like the way you you kind of point out that a lot of these projects that the community can give us a nudge to complete, it's not as though, because some people get confused between validation and encouragement and inspiration and community. You know, they say, well, I'm, I'm not just creating to please other people, but what I've noticed very often, very often there's an initial impetus. I want to do something, you know, I'd like to write a book, I'd like to have an exhibition, I'd like to have my own studio or, or whatever it may be, but sometimes it's the public commitment or it's the seeing someone else who's doing it really well that actually pushes you into action, that gets you to follow through on that and complete the circle. Yeah, I mean, there's something about the lonely journey we're all on in our own creative process that is, um, that is really energized by knowing that we're not alone. Yes, that's very, very true. Because I hear the same thing over and over again mm -hmm. from, from many, many different creatives. And one of the things that I notice is most powerful is to say to them is, well, look, you realize how many times I've heard this. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with you because you experience this issue. And it normalizes it. And I think what a, a conference can do that on a bigger scale. Because when you show up and you realize, when you realize, oh, you know, there are others like me mm -hmm. who who march to this different drum, right. who, because you know, very often we're the odd one out in our family or at school or in the workplace if we've ended up in a more corporate work environment. So to be somewhere where you think, oh, okay, I'm not the only one, in itself is a very powerful message to pick up. I think so. I, mean, I think it's, a, again, it's a, it's a real, one of those individual dis disciplines that can be lonely. I mean, certainly writing. I mean, gosh, like writing is one of the most lonely disciplines out there you have to truly get lost in your own thoughts and you know it's you have to be on your own and just do it um but there are so many writers who talk about the benefits of writing groups you know it's it's, yeah. it's like a grasping for community it's a it's a desire to have a group of people that periodically check in with you hold you accountable that you can pace yourself with that you can be inspired by um and that you can endure their struggles alongside them and realize that you're not alone yeah, that, that's exactly, just as you're saying that, you're reminding me of the first day at uh, Mimi Calvati's writing workshop. Mm. It must be about 15 years ago. And I walked into the room and I thought, oh, okay, I'm at home. <laughs> These people get it. They're just as obsessed about poetry as I am. And, and a lot of them are further down the road than me. And, and that's exciting, mm -hmm. as well as reassuring. I agree. So... 2017, when we're having this conversation, we're, we're certainly living in interesting times, as the Chinese would say. <laughs> and many creatives I talk to 
are feeling pretty despondent at recent political developments, particularly here in the UK and also in the US where you're based. There's a sense that maybe the world is becoming less open, less willing to connect and share. And I've noticed some creatives are doubling down on their creative work while others are becoming more politically engaged. What kind of responses are you seeing out in the wider creative community? Well, I think that that, that uh, creative minds are one of the best ways of understanding the world around us, you know, just through a creative mind. Oftentimes, uh, as you know, it's a powerful sentence or a powerful metaphor or one of those powerful illustrations that just kind of sums up a moment. Um, when we look back at wars in, you know, in the last century, it's iconic images you know, of the, the uh, woman in Tiananmen Square, you know, standing in front of a tank. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, it's always, a, it's always a moment captured creatively that ends up truly uh, evoking um, compassion and also piercing everyone's memory. Um, and I think, I think that these times are no different. I think that the interesting things that creative people are doing you know, I look in, in New York, you, know, you have uh, Je- uh, Jessica Walsh, who works with Stefan Sagmeister as a great graphic designer in New York, you know, and seeing some of the work that she's doing. And there are, uh, you know, in, I mean, in, or Wendy McNaughton, you know, the, the fantastic uh, um, illustrator who's been doing some amazing pieces for, uh, for magazines like The New Yorker and others that are kind of trying to encapsulate some of the emotion you know, pent up from the current political climate in the United States. Uh, there, there are so many examples, you know, and, and creatives are the ones that kind of, you can have news fodder and you can have articles and everything else, but sometimes it's a caption, it's an illustration or an image that you know, really ends up standing the test of time and, and really moving people. So I think that's one of the uh, unique roles that creative minds play, you know, in, in, in tough times. It's just helping the rest of the world relate and understand them and commemorating the lessons, you know, for, for the purpose of history. And, you know, I guess this opens up the broader question of what, what is the role of creatives in the wider society and the wider economy? Well, more than ever before, as more work becomes robotic, and outsourced to you know artificial intelligence, um, mm-hmm. and more services and people, and their and the work that they do becomes commoditized. Uh, I think that that it just puts even more of a premium on on creative work, and creative work is really really one of those you know one of those uh, things that will always be human to some degree, and um, and also. Can, can be up-leveled, can become even more creative over time because you just have more resources at your disposal. You have more um, mediums that you can play in. You have uh, a lot more stimulation and, um, and, and the intersection of different fields is just more readily available to you, which is, as we know, the, the, the nexus of creativity. So I think that, I think that the economy needs creative energy more than ever before. And, and, um, and I, if, if I were to forecast what our life will be like, you know, 20, 30, 40 years from now, 
I think you're going to have a lot of the world automated, um, and the jobs that people will have are going to be ones that are dependent upon either relationships, um, real trust in relationships, or uh, or creativity. You know, those are the two kind of the the, the two um, sectors that are innately human. And for me, there's a bit of an irony here in that when I grew up, it seemed to be very divergent paths. Either you did the economically sensible thing, you know, you studied a sensible subject and you got a corporate job and you climbed the ladder. And the idea of doing anything creative was seen to be inherently risky. Mm-hmm. And yet now we've come full circle yeah. and we're saying, well, these are, these are the, this is the final bastion of humanity. The, the, the last thing to be automated is going to be stuff like creative work and, as you say, relationships work that involves relations or Mr. Godin's phrase, emotional labor. Mm-hmm. I think that that's a, um, I think that's a great point. And I think that it's one of those things where over time, the, uh, there's something that there, there are certain truths in life that are not necessarily apparent at any moment in time, but over time, you know, they always come through. And I think that that is one of them that, you know, we, we, one of the hottest jobs in New York used to be being a trader, you know, like a, 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 a stock market trader. And now algorithms outperform any human being as a trader. And uh, it's one of those examples of the coveted Wall Street job of the 70s and 80s and even 90s now becoming like a, you know, like a, 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 a like a nothing job, you know, it's like, why would you do that with a human? That's so inefficient. Um, so it's, it's the creativity, uh, while uh, careers in the creative world have not always been in vogue as these different kind of trends pop up, you just have to look at it from a macro perspective. Are you doing a job that's adding unique value to the world? And any job that you're doing that is not adding unique value to the world, even if you're being paid a fortune, you must realize is not going to be around. So, Scott, you've left 99U Behance a few years ago now. So what, what have you been up to since? What's the new chapter all about? So, you know, I, it, it was certainly hard to, uh, to move on from my, my full-time role at Behance, that's for sure. And I've fortunately remained a member of the family as an advisor now I am focused on, uh, on working with other entrepreneurs shoulder to shoulder as they build their businesses as an advisor or a board member or an investor and, um, you know, and, and, and trying, to, uh, trying to also build up my own, uh, my own entrepreneurial instincts again in terms of you know, what, I, what I would want to help get off the ground um, with working with some other teams as a co-founder. So it's a, it's a hybrid role now where uh, I think I'm in this stage where uh, I, I still love building, still love working with teams, and also want to, uh, you know, want to be a coach as well as a player. Well, I can relate to the coach, part, <laughs> but not quite in that context. So is it qualitatively different to the work you were doing at Behance, or do you see it as more of a continuation? It's quite different. I, I, what I loved at Behance um, and then at Adobe you know, where I, where I did work for over three years after uh, Behance was acquired by Adobe, was um, uh, being a part of a single team, having a single focus, 
and uh, and really just working tirelessly towards a vision is something that I miss. Um, now, it may be one of those grass is greener on the other side situations because I remember being at Behance thinking, oh, I would love to learn more about different businesses. I'd love to be able to be, you know, to diversify my interests. And now I'm, now I'm, now I'm suddenly doing all different things. And you know, I'm 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 helping uh, start businesses. I'm investing in different businesses. I'm writing a book again. I am, you know, doing all these different things. And uh, and I miss now the the you know the monogamous experience with the team. Um, but it's uh, but so far I think it's been a great experience for me to uh, to just diversify um, how my you know how I what things I'm learning and how my uh, energy is being allocated. And does it feel like the same mission? Well, there's patterns that are emerging now um, in the in the work that I do now and the things that get me excited that are very you know, similar to where I come from with Behance. One of those is empowering people with talent to own their own careers, to kind of take the reins, as I like to say. And uh, mm -hmm. that's something that Behance was all about for the creative industry. Um, one of the teams I'm working with now is trying to do something similar for the relationship-driven services industry. So all sorts of professional services that really start with a relationship that can't be easily commoditized. And I find that to be a similar. Similarly, I find that to be a, a very important part of the economy. Um, people who are typically working for somebody else, even though they'd rather work for themselves, and I think it's an area where technology can help. So it's uh, I, I'm I'm sitting sometimes scratching my head, being like, wow. In some ways, I feel like it's the same playbook all over again, but just for an entirely different industry. Am I allowed to ask you what the new book's about? Because it's been a while since your last one. Yeah, it's been over six years since uh, Making Ideas Happen. Uh, and the new book is uh, an exploration uh, of what I like to call uh, the middle. Um, everyone loves talking about the beginning and the end. The beginning of a journey is full of fanfare, the launch of a company, people leaving their job to write something, to, you know, there's, there's so much press coverage of the start. And there's so many, there's so much coverage of the end. Everyone loves talking about whether it's an acquisition or an IPO or a bankruptcy or someone quitting or someone succeeding, but uh, an album being released, uh, an art exhibition being launched. But what about, um, what about the middle? Like, why do we spend so little time focusing on the middle? You know, and to me, the middle is two things. It's enduring, anonymity, ambiguity, self-doubt. It's enduring a ton uh, of, 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 of lows, and it's optimizing the highs. You know, anything that seems to be working, you have to do more <laughs> of, you know, and you have to learn yeah. from. And, uh, and so I want to I'm, I focus more on the endurance and the optimization uh, that no one ever talks about. And, and that's, what, that's the new book project, which is admittedly still in its early stages. So you're, you're nearly in the middle of that. Yeah, right. I'm deep, deep in the beginning of the middle. <laughs> I love this idea. I mean, just as you're talking there, I realize, yeah, it's, it's the most challenging time in lots of ways, because it's particularly, you know, writing a book or even a poem is, you know, you're there on your own wrestling with it and you don't know how it's going to turn out or if it's going to turn out. Right. But on the other hand, 
I think in lots of ways it's the most fun part because it's the part where people leave you alone to get on with it. And you can, I write because I like writing and that's how I got into it. And it's not all day, every day is, is, you know, wonderful creative flow, but I find when I'm in a project and I'm, I get into the groove of it and I think, yes, this, I'm going to see this through, that, at that point I start to relax and enjoy the journey a bit, a bit more. Mm-hmm. I, um, yeah, I mean, I agree. And, and, you know, the writing has been a really... I have a hate-love relationship with writing. Um, it's, uh, you know, I find it scary and, and difficult and super challenging for me. And then I also... Uh, you know, I also find it like incredibly invigorating. You know, the introvert tendencies in me are nurtured by it. Well, Scott, that sounds a great book. It would be great to have you back on the show when you're through with it, when you're out the other side and you can look back and talk about the middle of the book. I will be excited to do that. (laughs) Okay, Scott, so just to close up with, one thing that I'm asked each of my guests to do on the show is to set a challenge to the listeners. And I know you're all about the follow through and making ideas happen. So, and you've got quite an interesting challenge for listeners. So maybe you could tell us what you would like people to commit to in the next few days. Well, I was thinking about it and, uh, and I was thinking about a challenge that, uh, that I take quite seriously in my life as well, um, that I would encourage everyone else to do. And the context is that we're all so busy and we're all so programmatic in, in terms of how we spend our time. And we're all so focused and everything's according to plan. And, uh, and, and the, these days, it's, it, we seldom even get lost anymore because of GPS and because everything else is just scheduled so tightly. And so what I try to do once a year is accept some sort of opportunity, you know, whether it be a, a speaking engagement or a an opportunity to visit a friend, you know, who's working some in some, maybe like in the Peace Corps or somewhere, somewhere remote in the world doing something different. Um, or I try to go traveling to someplace I would normally never go uh, or do something I would normally never do. What I try to do is immerse myself in a, uh, in a context or some, some, some place or some way in which, in which I ordinarily wouldn't. And, uh, and I think the challenge uh, that I would, share with your listeners is to think of one way that you uh, you commit to to pushing yourself into some uncomfortable place this year you know whether it be uh, something you're going to some trip you're going to make yourself take or something you're going to make yourself do but immersing yourself in an unexpected place these days carries a premium it will uh, it will make you think differently it will provide some you know much needed perspective and so if, if, uh, if anyone wants to share some, you know, great plan that they have or some commitment they're willing to make, um, I would be uh, happy to, uh, to uh, you know, reward that. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you, Scott. Well, that's a great challenge. And Scott's very kindly offered to donate three copies of his book, Making Ideas Happen, which is a really terrific book. So what we're going to do is invite you to leave a comment on the show notes. Clearly, you can't do the entire challenge this week, so you're going to be kayaking around the world. But what we're going to do is ask you something that you're prepared to commit to. So by the end of this week, leave a comment on the show notes explaining how you're going to be stepping outside your comfort zone, and I will pick three winners at random to receive a copy of Scott's book. 
Scott, thank you. That's been really inspiring and given us a, a focus for action over the next few days. Where can people go to find you and your projects online these days? The best way to probably track the things that I'm thinking about and working on is just to follow me on Twitter, which is just at Scott Belsky. And uh, I also um, am publishing a lot of things these days on Medium. And so you're welcome to uh, go Medium. And, and my publication on Medium is called Positive Slope. So uh, welcome folks to check me out there. Excellent. I'll include the links in the show notes as oh, well. Fantastic. Scott, thank you so much for sharing your unique perspective on the creative world. Thanks for having me, Mark. In just one moment, I'll tell you how to take part in this week's creative challenge. But before that, if you're enjoying the podcast, I'd like to ask you to do one thing very quickly that will really help the show, and that's to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes. That's because the more people who subscribe, the more visible the show will be in the iTunes store, and the more new listeners will find the show. This is particularly important in the first few weeks of a podcast, so by subscribing as soon as you hear this, you're giving the 21st century creative the best chance of success. It will also help your fellow creatives discover the show, and of course it helps you, because every episode will be delivered to you as soon as it's released. So please visit 21stCenturyCreative.fm and press the big purple subscribe in iTunes button. Or if you're listening on your phone right now, you'll see a subscribe button to click inside the app. Thanks so much for supporting the show like this. It really means a lot to me. So Scott has set you a great creative challenge. If you want to take part in the challenge, here's how it works. In Scott's words, the challenge is to commit to pushing yourself into an uncomfortable place this year. That could be a trip you take to a new and challenging place, or something you do, such as learning a new skill, or creating something you've never attempted before, or interacting with people from a very different background to you. So, something that will make you uncomfortable and stretch you in a meaningful direction. Once you've decided on your commitment, go to 21stCenturyCreative.fm slash one, as in numeral one, and tell us what commitment you're going to make for the rest of this year. The comments will close at midnight United States Pacific time on Friday the 2nd of June 2017. So you've got until then to leave your comment describing your commitment at 21stCenturyCreative.fm slash one. Obviously, if you're listening after that date, the challenge is closed, but you can always take part in future creative challenges. Once the challenge is finished, I will pick three winners at random from the comments who will receive the prize Scott has kindly donated of his book, Making Ideas Happen. I assure you I will be picking the winners at random. I will not be judging the comments because the challenge isn't a competition. Over the weekend, I will send a bonus recording with my feedback on your comments and what we can all learn from the challenge. 
Finally, and this part is really important, the feedback recording will not be released on iTunes or anywhere else the show is syndicated. It will only be available via the 21st Century Creative email list. So to join the list, go to 21stCenturyCreative.fm slash bonus and enter your email address in the box. Not only will you get the bonus recordings for every creative challenge, you'll also get the 21st Century Creative Foundation course, a free, in-depth course to help you succeed as a creative professional. Okay, that's it for the challenge. You'll also find these instructions in the show notes at 21stCenturyCreative.fm slash one. Have a great time with the challenge. I look forward to seeing what commitments you make. And stay tuned for the second episode of the 21st Century Creative with a very special guest in the second week of June.